Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. You know success when you see it, or you think you do, the people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Bloomberg, sound on. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Bloomberg, sound on. On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. The impeachment trial is set to be a test for vulnerable incumbents. We're going to go through the latest on the left and the right. Meanwhile, President Trump retweeting out the whistleblower's name, but is a retweet an endorsement? We'll dive into the specifics on that as well. And new tensions between the U.S. and Iran. We check in with Morgan Ortegas, the spokeswoman for the State Department to Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Meanwhile, he's actually headed to go to Ukraine in the next couple of days. Sari Kim is here from Dallas, Texas. Landed here. And the, I got to, you know, I, I know you have to mention it. I got I mean, to mention it. Our coach is on the chopping block. And, I understand and that Jerry the Jones beat went us. viral because of his reaction to the Eagles getting in. I, I just got to say, like, if you're if you're a Philadelphia sports fan and you got a second Christmas yesterday, the Patriots lost to the Miami Dolphins. You've got the Cowboys not going to the playoffs because the Philadelphia Eagles one. I mean, it's just amazing. It's just I a know. great day. I can't stop smiling, even though this weather's been wacky. Uh, Kevin Wallings here, Democratic strategist over at HG Creative Media. How fly, are you? Eagles, fly. Are you are you an Eagles fan? I mean, I grew up in central New Jersey, so you know, I'm more of an Eagles fan than a Dallas fan, geographically. Chris, Chris, Chris Christie's a Dallas Cowboys fan. Ugh. Is he? Oh, to be yes, Chris Christie. Mm. You know he who was... else is a Philadelphia Eagles fan? Is Morgan Ortegas, and she is the spokeswoman for the State Department. She's going to call in coming up later on in the program. We are going to talk all things Secretary Pompeo going to Ukraine, and we're going to talk about that airstrike that the U.S. launched against uh, against some facilities run by the Shias, uh, really peddled by Iran in Syria and elsewhere. So we'll get the latest on that. Let's kick things off as we have been doing virtually every day on the impeachment watch. I want to start a nuanced angle, though. Did you see this? President Trump retweeting out the whistleblower's name. I think it was late Friday night. President Trump has 68 million Twitter followers. Most of his followers couldn't see the retweet of the whistleblower's name because there was an outage on Twitter. Do you believe this? 
Twitter putting out a statement saying that there was an outage, which is why this retweet couldn't couldn't be seen. So then it's finally seen, and then the chaos ensues. You know, the punditry, should he have done it, should he not have done it? Is it legal for him to do it one way or another to, to, to out this individual? Twitter, and this is really my way into this t- tonight, had to release a statement saying that if you release information, personal identifying information, that is in violation of their policies. But a name is not considered, according to Twitter, violation of their policies. It's a really perfect way to end the decade, Sari, because it's it, enca- it encapsulates so much. The president retweeting, the impeachment saga, big tech, regulations, go. Yeah, you really have to bifurcate and put aside what President Trump did and then really looking forward into the policies of 2020. These tech companies have put a selective morality where they get to decide what is an inf what is and is not moral. And I just point to the fact that a couple of weeks ago, not even a couple of months ago, they blocked Senate, Senator Mitch Forgot McConnell's Twitter account. So, you know, you allow pedophiles to have Twitter accounts, but you're not allowing Senator Mitch McConnell to do so. That's very much the issue and crisis that tech companies will face in 2020 and also why I think Andrew Yang is the most interesting candidate because he does talk about the importance of privacy and um, personal information being yours, even with these tech companies being as big as they are. Kev, she just gave us the conservative perspective there. When I talk to Republicans, they're, you know, they articulate it just like Sarah Kim just did, which is, what was the term you used? Selective Selective morality. Selective morality with these big tech companies. Now, in contrast, you know, Democrats are saying, well, don't tweet out the name of the whistleblower. Amen. I mean, that's fundamentally wrong what the president did, um, for, you know, uh, in that release. Um, and it's not, you know, Democrats' position, it's not my position to defend big tech. I mean, we have just as many problems with a lot of these tech companies, especially when it comes but to their disclaimer laws. But do you think President laws. Trump should be tweeting out the name? Absolutely not. And, and hopefully Sari agrees, too. It's because already it out there in the domain. That's what Republicans Doesn't make say. it right. Doesn't make it right when something's out there. And, and we don't, that person is not been confirmed. That person has not come forward. That person still is allowed the protections of the law All right. uh, in this country and should be afforded every right under under the Constitution and under legal code to remain anonymous in this country. All right. Did anybody watch the Sunday shows yesterday? No. Well, I watched Ivanka Trump on Margaret Brennan, so I should qualify that statement. And I thought... Um, both of them did an exceptional job. Margaret was tough, and Ivanka tried to evade questions as best she could. But the most interesting part was it kind of sounds like Ivanka Trump wants to run for office. Uh, well, I think Don Jr. is going to run for office, but you're getting me off on a tangent, Sari. Okay. I've got to keep it focused on impeachment. Senator John Kennedy, Republican from Louisiana, was asked point blank whether or not th- uh, he, they believe— uh, he believes—I apologize. He believes the president should be tweeting about the whistleblower's name. Take a listen to what he said. I have enough trouble paddling my own canoe, but I I do agree with with Mrs. Trump uh, um, that and I've suggested before to the White House that if the president would tweet a little bit less, it wouldn't cause brain damage. But the president does not have to take my advice, nor do I expect him to. It, <laughs> I, I always laugh whenever I interview Senator Kennedy. You got he's good for a soundbite. If 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 nothing, I mean he's. Anyway, so there's this new story out on the terminal, speaking of impeachment, and and to Senator Kennedy's point about Senators Cory Gardner of Colorado, Susan Collins of Maine, the most at-risk Republicans who are incumbents, they're boxed in on this issue of impeachment. Uh, Then you've got Democratic Senator Doug Jones, who hails from, of course, the deep red state 
of Alabama. There's a lot of drama surrounding this impeachment vote. And I've got my eye on Senator Joe Manchin because mm-hmm. I believe Manchin could also be a wild card for the Democrats, Sari. Yeah, I read that same article and I do subscribe to Bloomberg. That's not a plug. I actually do. But I think it's really interesting because you have to look at it through a political lens. These people are not trying to impeach the president. They are trying to win re-election. And what it means to win re-election in West Virginia is fundamentally different than what it means to win in California. And so I think that's the reason why Joe Manchin voted to confirm a Supreme Court justice. I think this is why Doug Jones is saying he won't impeach the president of the United States in Alabama, because those states and their priorities are different. All right. Coming up, we're going to talk policy and politics. Plus, what's on the panel's radar? More on that Ivanka Trump interview as well. Download the Bloomberg Sound on podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli. The Eagles are in the playoffs. It's a great day. It is a great day. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Kevin Wallings here, Democratic Strategist at HG Creative Media. Kev, did you have a good holiday? I did, thanks. We stayed uh, here in D.C. Folks came, my aunt came, uh, had some TV hits, uh, which I was able to take them to the studio, which they really enjoyed. Fun. Uh, and it was nice to be here when it's a little when the swamp is quiet. You know, I I love DC when it, when when everybody leaves. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so much more fun. No traffic. How was Delco? You know, yeah. I, I mean, it was great. I mean, I got a ton of Christmas cookies, which I love. I always want more. But even today, I was scootering on my electric scooter, and I was going not mine. I you know do the app thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm allowed to say which one I use. It's really whatever's on the block. And then I took that, and I just couldn't stop smiling on the way to the White House because. It was pouring rain, but you know what? The Eagles are in the playoffs. And, Eagles and, are in the and playoffs. And the Cowboys are not. I'm sorry, Sarah Kim, Republican strategist, and now I guess I guess a Dallas Cowboys fan. <laughs> She's only been there by, a month or so. By proximity. I've yeah. only been at Chief and Stone for a month. Yeah, Let's not be too know, hard hey, on you me. You go to Texas, they turn you in. <laughs> yeah. Weirder things have happened. Did you see this? It's a headline crossing the Bloomberg Terminal campaign update. President Trump is going to counter-program next Democratic presidential debate. Mario Parker reporting Democrats seeking to replace Donald Trump in the White House will have some competition for television viewers during their next debate. The incumbent president himself, Trump's campaign, announced Monday that his next rally would be in Milwaukee on January 14th. That's the same day as the Democratic candidate's seventh debate in Des Moines, Iowa. Good move, bad move, Kev. Uh, I think it's a silly move. Um, I I think, you know, Democrats are not going to flip from their screens. This is an important, uh, you know, as you rightly point out, January 14th, right before Iowa goes to the polls. On February 3rd, last chance, now only five candidates are on that stage, so I think we're going to see some more fireworks, uh, and it's just going to be silly. And to have Yang a, a wants split more screen. polls. I love it. I mean, I really am such a fan DNC of DNC said no to more polls. Well, so here's the issue. I kind of miss Tulsi Gabbard. <laughs> I miss Marianne Williamson. I miss Marianne Wilson- Williamson. I miss that there are... I saw a quote of hers in a yoga studio. <laughs> it was like on one of those quote cards. On a motivational poster? Yeah, no, it was, it was one of those quote cards. And I was like, wow, what a great quote. And then it said Marianne Williamson. I go, bring her back on the stage. Yeah, but it, it, it She's does... still running, I think, right? She is still she, running. Yeah. 
in it to win it. No, I think it makes really what Andrew was saying is that, you know, why do we not look at the polls that are actually in the four early primary states in order to ascertain who should be on the seventh Democratic stage? And speaking of President Donald Trump doing counter programming at this point, I mean, the Democratic Party seems to have a harder time decoupling themselves from Donald Trump as the leader of the Democratic Party because everything they do is about him. What are you going to watch? We- the rally? Oh, I'm or gonna, the debate. No, I'm sorry, Mr. Trump. I'm going to watch The Bachelor premiere. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going what to are watch you going to watch? If I, if I had a rose, I would give it to Siri. Um, I'll be watching the debate. Again, like I said, it's the last one. I'll be one. watching both because I have no life. And then I'll, like, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll watch the debate at once because I'll be there. And then that night I'll be like, what did he say? And then I'll watch everything because I can't get enough. I can't get enough. <laughs> okay, other big news. South China Morning Post reporting. I was talking about this on The Open, on Bloomberg Television, The Open, earlier today. Just ahead of the opening bell, we got this headline from the China Morning uh, Post, China South Morning Post. Uh, which says that China Vice Premier Le he is set to be in Washington, D.C. on Saturday with U.S. Trade Representative Bob Lighthizer. Now, we don't know what's going to happen, but all indicators would suggest that there could be some positive news on that front, particularly since the president had announced the conclusion of that phase one deal with U.S. and China, Sari. Yeah, I think it's great news for every American and every citizen of the world. You're finally seeing a little bit of stability in the ongoing back and forth between U.S. and China over the last 12 months. And, you know, whether it is, in fact, just translating the text into one language as opposed to another, I think at this point, both China and the United States, both Mnuchin, Lighthouser, Ross, as well as the president, have said everything is locked in place. And both countries really do want it, especially yeah. China. But no deal until the ink's on the dotted line. Well, as I especially underst- in this dynamic. Well, as I understood the article, it said that the language was put in black and white in Chinese, and they are now translating it over to English. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it's it's. It, I mean, it, all indicators. I just I feel like we've been on this merry-go-round before. So I, until it's signed, you know, we don't know. I think what's interesting and what we've really seen though is that unlike USMCA, and I can't underscore this enough. Unlike USMCA, this does not need congressional approval. Mm-hmm. It is a massive trade deal, given that it's the two of it's the world's two largest economies that are negotiating Kevin Walling, but it doesn't need congressional approval because it's not as large in scope as USMCA does is, which requires there to be, and it's a treaty. It's a formal treaty with USMCA. That's right, and you know I'm hopeful that this will diffuse the 19th month long uh, trade uh, fight that's been going on between these two countries, and I think it's actually going to be a good thing for this president heading into his reelection. That sounds great to me. <laughs> <laughs> but do you think, in terms of of where things go, I mean Saturday and the president heading into uh, January, where likely I believe the Senate is going to to formally vote on USMCA next week when next they gavel week, back like in mm-hmm. when they when they gavel back in mm-hmm. plus more positive trade headlines with regards potentially on Saturday not mm-hmm. during market hours i mean that's pretty solid way to start the new decade. Yeah, but this is why people are frustrated with Washington, D.C. You have a top line, people concerned about Trump's tweets, and you have concerns about his behavior, and you have concerns about impeachment. And then underlying that, you have 182 federal judges confirmed. You have USMCA being put into place. You have a tax law put into place. You have the tobacco age being raised from 18 to 21. You have China now going into effect. I think the president has a body of work that if it was any other guy in the Oval Office, people would not be upset. 
And that's why probably Senator Kennedy and a couple of other like very vulnerable senators want him to tweet less because but for some of these incendiary tweets, the body of work is so substantial that if it was any other guy in the Oval, people would not complain. So yesterday, Peter Navarro, the hawk, the, the you know, the hardliner on uh on, on on trade policy. He was on Fox Business and he was talking about really all of these all of these trade deals and whatnot and everything. And he actually said that it's in the bag. In the bag. Peter Navarro says that it's in the bag. The White House leading China Hawk trade advisor Peter Navarro said Monday that a preliminary trade deal with uh, Beijing is completed. He said this on Fox News. I apologize. That's a done deal. Put that one in the bag, Navarro said on Fox News. But he didn't confirm. This is what I found interesting. He did not confirm Saturday's meeting that the that the South China Morning Post reported earlier that Laha, his counterpart really, or Mnuchin's counterpart in China, is, mm-hmm. is, is going to be here. Take a listen to Peter Navarro on the Sunday show from yesterday and what he had to say on Fox Business. With our tariff policies and because this is the strongest economy in the world, we're going to be attracting a lot of uh, investment here, building things like auto plants and steel plants. 2020, uh, it's going to be great. It's it's, uh, basically low unemployment, rising wages. Happy New Year. Happy New Year from Peter Navarro, but no confirmation of whether or not Saturday is going to be that meeting. We will keep you posted as we hear about it. Coming up, Morgan Ortega, State Department spokeswoman, State Department spokeswoman. She phones in to give us the latest on foreign policy. Download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Happy New Year's Eve. Eve, I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. You need a company with extensive experience in specialized insurance. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and helping provide coverage that suits your needs. The Hartford offers insurance solutions that help mid to large sized businesses like yours effectively manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers comp and more. With extensive experience in underwriting, risk engineering services and claims, The Hartford goes beyond the expected to deliver innovative, customizable solutions and service that your industry, that your business demands. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent with Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Sari Kim's here, Republican strategist, attorney and former senior advisor in the Trump administration. Kevin Walling's here, Democratic strategist at HG Creative Media. There were some horrific headlines uh, and news over the weekend uh, regarding the stabbing at a synagogue uh, in New York over the weekend. Bernie Sanders helped light a menorah on a Hanukkah on Ice event at an Iowa ice skating rink Sunday night and condemned a rise in anti-Semitism in America and all over the world, Our Jennifer Jacobs reporting on the Bloomberg Terminal. And 
it it comes less than 24 hours after an intruder stabbed five people at a rabbi's home. I apologize. I incorrectly said a, a synagogue at a rabbi's home in New York City uh, on Saturday night. It It's just been a, a devastating news story, Kevin. And, and of course, we, we know uh, just that shooting in, in Jersey City of a, a Jewish deli uh, not too long ago. Um, is also kind of in, in the front of our minds and, and our thoughts. Um, and, and we are, Kev, as you rightly point out, seeing a, a massive increase in the targeting of uh, Jewish communities, whether it be that uh, shooting in Pittsburgh uh, that killed so many in that synagogue and, and what we're seeing in the last couple of weeks. I thought Governor Cuomo um, was very strong in his statement, uh, calling it what it is, and it's domestic terrorism. And uh, I, I don't know if the question is resources for law enforcement, uh, what better training uh, when it comes to uh, uh, police enforcement uh, of targeting of communities and things like that. But clearly something must be done both on the state and local level and on the federal level to combat this rise in hate crimes that we're seeing. Yeah, and we just had a shooting at a church just outside of Fort Worth, Texas. And so I think these attacks um, by obviously very mentally ill individuals needs to be addressed. There is certainly a mental health crisis in addition to the fact that these are hate crimes as well because, you know, over the last three years of Donald Trump's presidency, we've seen a ton of mass shootings. So we have to really address the fact that society has troublesome people in it that hate people for no good reason. The mass shootings are an epidemic. I mean, there's really no other way. That's exactly what they are. And it's predated any... I mean, I don't don't want to even, uh, you know, go there. Uh, Let's come back to this because joining us on the telephone line... Right now is State Department spokeswoman Morgan Ortegas. Morgan, thank you for calling in. I, I spoke with Brian Hook, the special envoy to Iran for the State Department, earlier this afternoon, and he was catching me up to speed about the military strike against uh, some uh, that that was launched yesterday. Just walk us through those airstrikes and where things stand and the situation stands in the Middle East as it relates to Iran. Something that Secretary Pompeo has warned the Iranian regime about for uh, at least the past year, um, and he has said that any attacks that uh, harm American uh, interests or our allies will be met with a response. And we have told the Iranian regime uh, very publicly that, uh, that that we are not distinguishing between attacks from Iran, the IRGC. Uh, or their uh, or their militias that they fund and train. So we know that Qatab Hezbollah, uh, the U.S. government, has said was responsible for this attack, which killed an American contractor and injured American service members. And uh, with uh, this defensive measure that the Department of Defense took, uh, you can see that we spoke to the Iranians in a language that we believe they understand. Morgan Ortegas is on the line. She's the spokeswoman for the State Department to Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Morgan, this was a defensive action. What was the red line that was crossed, and and what makes this a defensive action? Uh, Well, we're always hesitant to get, you know, to box ourselves um, into into, uh, red lines, so to speak. But but what I would say, again, is that Secretary Pompeo has made it very clear to the regime that if there are attacks on American interests, 
uh, that come from the Shia forces, uh, from the militia, from the, from the various terrorist groups like Kitab Hezbollah uh, that Iran trains, equips, and funds, uh, that we will count those attacks against us as an attack uh, directly from the Ayatollah, from the Iranian regime themselves. Um, and so, that, so that's the defensive measure that we took because we have seen these continued attacks uh, planning attacks, threats of attacks against our air bases um, and against our men and women in Iraq. And that's uh, not something uh, that we will just uh, let uh, stand without being accounted for. And I was struck by this, Morgan, because it really seemed that Iran's actions were an expansionary type of action, an expansionary policy. And that's just not going to be tolerated. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we listen, the president has made it clear. President Trump has said numerous times that we extend the hand of diplomacy, that we do not want war. Every time we extend the hand of diplomacy, however, we get some sort of action like this from the Iranian regime. We know that they are incredibly frustrated by our maximum economic pressure campaign. Uh, they're frustrated because it's working. They're frustrated that the sanctions are working. They're frustrated that our partners in Europe, the E3, uh, Great Britain, France, Germany, uh, have all said, uh, essentially, you know, just even going back just a few months ago in September at the U.N. General Assembly, uh, that Iran uh, needed to uh, come back to the negotiating table to look at their destabilizing uh, behavior. So you, you, despite the number of provocative measures that the Iranian regime has taken, like shooting down American drones, like attacking Saudi oil fields, like attacking ships, in the Persian Gulf. And we can go through the numerous examples here. And, and we think we have warned them not to confuse our strategic patience with weakness. And clearly they've done that. And uh, they have garnered a response that we think that they will understand. And there's more There's more developments. I think it's something like 46,000 complaints that ever since Secretary Pompeo, when he has opened up a tip box of source where he's calling on Iranians to, to to video to to provide instances of the Iranian regime really uh, abusing their power, and so now social media platforms in that particular region are being used as opportunities for Iranians to 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 show evidence of of these human rights abuses. Yeah, right? that's, yeah. that's yeah, that's that's exactly right, and I and I think uh, you know this is not something for us. This isn't a celebratory day. You know, we're never happy whenever you have American service members injured uh, or, or when you have an American contractor killed. That's not something we want. Like, we, you know, we do not seek to have to take these types of defensive actions. But when America is tested uh, and when and when uh, these sorts of things, incidents happen, uh, we will do exactly what Secretary Pompeo has uh, said we will do for the past year, which is to defend ourselves. All right. Switching gears, North Korea. Kim Jong-un has promised this Christmas surprise of sorts. What's the latest on that front? I mean, the latest on the front, as far as we're concerned, is that is that the president um, and Kim Jong Un have a personal relationship. They they have always gone along, the two of them, quite well. Uh, and and we think, you know, the president has taken a different approach than than previous presidents and previous administrations have in order to solve diplomatically the problem uh, that we have with North Korea. Uh, we are still confident that uh, that this relationship uh, will help us uh, provide a diplomatic outcome that Secretary Pompeo and Steve Began, who was our special uh, representative to uh, North Korea and is now uh, our deputy secretary of state. We're, you know, we continue to put our head down and pursue this policy 
to pursue negotiations, to pursue a path towards peace with the North Korean regime. We do all of this while sanctions do remain in effect on North Korea, and we urge uh, our allies and everyone in the Security Council to help us keep those um, sanctions intact and effective and working. All right, final question for you on the issue of Ukraine. Secretary Pompeo set to be traveling to Ukraine. What can we expect from his visit? Yeah, so we announced our visit this morning. Um, the secretary has long defended our policy in Ukraine. You know, we are the administration. The Trump administration is the one that decided uh, to provide the lethal aid to Ukraine that they have been asking for since the illegal uh, uh, attack by the Russian regime. Uh, we, of course, you know, believe that it is important to go to Ukraine in order to bolster them. Uh, you know, they are a young democracy. They have a new leader. And, uh, and and so because of that, we think that it's important to reaffirm our policy, which is that we will never accept the annexation of Crimea uh, by Russia. Uh, we will only accept the territorial sovereignty and integrity for Ukraine. And that is, is why we're going to bolster uh, a, a democracy in the midst of an autocratic neighborhood. All right, Morgan, I know it's been a busy, busy 24 hours for you in particular. Always I, busy. But I appreciate you making the time for us. And hopefully you got to celebrate just a little from that Philadelphia Eagles playoff berth yesterday. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing, right? And the Cowboys didn't make it. Fly, birds, fly. Fly, Eagles, fly. Thank you to Morgan Ortega, State Department spokesperson, for checking in and giving us an update from the State Department. Coming up, what's on the panel's radar? Download the Bloomberg Sound on podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Eagles are in the playoffs. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Sari Kim, are the Cowboys, I know you're down there in Texas and everything, but are the Cowboys going to fire the head coach? Um, I think that there is a 73rd of chance of it, but here's the thing. Is Jason- Jerry Jones going to get rid Well, so here's the thing. Mr. Jones said on the record that Jason Garrett has made his life fundamentally better over the last decade. But as a Cowboys follower, I would say that is demonstrably not true. But for one season in the last 10 years, has the Dallas Cowboys done anything worth their title as America's team? And just for the record, I want you to know my boyfriend, Mike, says for you to stop giving me a hard time about the Cowboys. Wow. Okay. Mike is now after (laughs) me. I've met Mike. Isn't he a Marine? Yeah, he's a Marine. So watch out, Kev. I don't want to get the. I just, you know, you know, I'm an Eagles fan, Mike. I can't help it. You got to own New York. He's a Browns fan, so well, let's just put all let's the just pity put all that out there. Uh, I know I'm going to get in trouble for talking too much Philadelphia Eagles today. So in advance, I apologize to whomever is listening and mad that I've done that. Kevin Walling, what's on your radar? Uh, what's on my radar is uh, Bernie Sanders' doctor releasing a full medical oh, report today, clearing him to, to be president for the next four years and obviously to run for president. I think it speaks volumes. I mean, I, I can't think of anyone else in American politics to survive a heart attack on the campaign trail, and his numbers are actually up in the Democratic primary, um, uh, which speaks to kind of the enduring nature of Bernie Sanders as a, as a, as a candidate and potentially the, his ceiling. Potentially the nomination. 
nominee. Potentially the nominee. You saw some reports that, you know, insiders, Democratic insiders, whoever they may be, are warming up to the idea of a Sanders, <laughs> uh, a Sanders nomination. I, I don't think it's going to be the case that he actually wins the nomination, but I think it does speak volumes that a character like uh, Senator Sanders is, is still in it. Did you see um, what he just did derailed. there? Sorry, did you see what Kevin Walling just did there? Kevin Walling is like the Jedi of Democratic strategists. No, 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 no. <laughs> did you see what he did? He rolled his eyes. You can't see it because we're on oh radio. Oh, my gosh. He, he, did such, he did such a troll on the media, on the Beltway media. He said, Democratic insiders, Whoa. whoever that may be. Did, is that some shade did at some, sure. of, some of the Beltway <laughs> Sure. I'm not, they didn't ask me. <laughs> now it's just full-fledged. Now it's just full-fledged Yeah, Politico, shade. I'm here. <laughs> you got to call him out. you got to call him out on the Hill before I switch to Sarah. I do, him. I do. It talks that about, talks you know, about independent uh, voters and it talks about independent voters who uh, are at 65% disapproval uh, rates. Uh, of this president, of his job performance, that's going to be a universe of people that the president is going to need to win back. He won them anywhere between six and seven points, according to exit polling in 2016. They make about uh, about 30 percent of the electorate. He's going to need those folks back, and especially those key states, if he's to be successful. Impeachment has actually affected them, unlike Republicans and Democrats who see impeachment through a partisan lens. Cool. What's on your radar, Sari? Well, speaking of Politico, they just put out a story today talking about how the birth rates in the United States is lowest it's been since World War One. Wow. And as a result of that, payroll taxes are the lowest it's been since World War One, And that's important because Social Security and Medicare are funded by that. And you and I had a conversation a week ago about the new Retirement Act that Congress passed. I mean, this is why the United States Congress, this is why the President of the United States need to have courage and tackle entitlement reform. We have to raise the age and we have to reconfigure how those programs are funded. I think that's very, very interesting. What's on my radar was that Margaret Brennan, former Bloomberg reporter, Margaret Brennan's interview with the first daughter, Ivanka Trump, and on CBS News. And she says that she's liking Washington. She's enjoyed staying in Washington, D.C., and that it's going to be up to her kids whether or not she stays here. So, you know, I, and, and she says cited that there's unfinished work to do. She said, according to CBS, my decisions will always be flexible enough to ensure that their needs are being considered first and foremost. So they will really drive that answer for me when asked if she plans to be a part of the administration come 2020. I think that for me, she says, I came down here and it's all about the impact and being able to deliver for the forgotten men and women. So it's it's interesting. What else did you get out of that Ivanka interview? Um, I think that Chelsea Clinton is going to have somebody run against her. As long as we're putting gold-plated names and candidacies in New York State, we might as well put Ivanka in there. But I do think Donald Trump Jr. will run for office in Wyoming before Ivanka Trump does. Well, you know, uh, it, it's very interesting. <laughs> she, was asked, she was asked if she's going to pursue any political aspirations of her own. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, for me, it's the politics is truthfully less interesting. Even in this combative climate, I don't know what that means. Even in this combative climate where people are just killing each other and it's just pure partisan raw politics, there is so much positivity and so much hope. I think what she means is that politics kind of has an element of kabuki theater. As much as Kevin Walling and I disagree, or some Democratic strategists and I disagree, fundamentally, I believe that Kevin Walling wants the best for Americans. I think that I want the best for Americans. And how we get there and how we characterize the debate sometimes goes beyond the margin. And she doesn't want to be beyond the margin. She doesn't want to be attacked. She wants to do what she wants to do within the good that she thinks is right. But that's not how it works in politics. You either play to be beaten up or you don't. 
What a nice way to end out 2019. Sorry, oh, I have another show I love tomorrow. you so much, Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. I have That's another show sweet. tomorrow. <laughs> What's your New Year's resolutions? Political New Year's resolutions. How about that? Quick, you got a minute. Uh, to make Donald Trump a one-term president. Okay. I'd like to be White House press secretary. For the I last thought you year? Wanted, that's not, this is the first I'm hearing of this, but I thought that you... Well, we're putting out resolutions. No one ever makes their resolutions come true. So I'm just like putting that out there. What What should my political... Well, actually, let's not say what my political New Year's resolutions should be. But I will tell you that one of my New Year's resolutions is to run an ultra marathon. What's what? That? Like a hundred miler? No, just thirty-one or fifty. What? Yeah. Why would you do in one? In because one? Because I don't race? want to run marathons for time. Because I think it's, I, I, I just because I just want to train for an ultra. You're I, looking at me like I have four I heads. I don't want to do that at all. But I wish you a very happy New Year's Eve Eve. Well, thank you. I am also <laughs> just going to say that I didn't have a way to fit this into policy. But Sharon Stone is back on Bumble. <gasps> I just, love this okay. story. We have 30 seconds. Sharon Stone had a Bumble account. and But they blocked her. They blocked her because they thought it was fake. They thought it was fake. And, and now then she's she, back on. She put Bumble on blast. So Sharon Stone is 61, and she decided to create a Bumble she account great too, so way, that she could get a date. And Bumble blocked her because they thought she was a fake Sharon Stone. So she goes on Twitter and was just like, Bumble, don't block me. I'm real. I want a date. And now she's going to be like the Bumble endorser or whatever. Swipe I want to know right if Bumble America. stock moved on that because Swipe that's right. the Bloomberger in me. All right. Thanks to Sari Kim. Go Eagles. Sorry. And thanks to Kev Walling. Go Eagles. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.